Other people were coming in. And when they came in, the way that they would get the Corinthians to listen to them is they would come with letters of recommendation. And they say, well, see, these guys say that we're really good, so you should listen to us because of what they say. So Paul was going, and, and partly what they were doing is say, hey, we're the real deal, and Paul's not. His message isn't, he's not faithful, and you really shouldn't follow him. So Paul comes up and he goes, wait a second, do I need a letter of recommendation for you? He goes, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So here's what we're finding out, you guys, and this is what we're going to talk about today. There's a couple things that Paul mentions here. Number one, he says, don't you know that you are the aroma of Christ? So somehow you're revealing something about who God is through the way you live your life. And then he says, because I don't need a letter of recommendation because you're our letter. And everybody's reading you. I don't need, the, need them to read something on a piece of paper. They're actually reading your life. And that's where we're getting this divine revelation from. Somehow God is saying, you know what? I want to reveal to the rest of the world who I am through you. But what's happening here is when that happens, there's quite a bit of skepticism. And we realize even right now, today, that the church, Jesus Christ, and even Christianity is really, I would say, in a decline in popularity. <laughs> Um, There's a lot of skepticism about who Jesus is and about who the church is. And in the midst of that, in this world where there is that, we're supposed to be the ones giving divine revelation to everybody else. Now that's a challenge. That's really hard. And lots of times we're faced with a difficult, oh, oh, every single day, we're going to be faced with difficult decisions of whether we're really going to do that or whether we're not. And so before I jump into the message real quick, we just want to show a kind of a quick little video of what that uh, struggle can be like to be divine revelation for God. So let's watch this. Um, all right. So basically, you guys, um, all day long, we, you and I are faced with opportunities like that. Opportunities where we have a choice, where we can either live for God, where we can do the thing that we think he's asking us to do, where we can step out in faith, where we can love like he wants us to, where we can obey him and what he wants us to, or we have the opportunity to live for ourselves, And here's what's interesting, guys, is living out, when you can live for God, normally what that's going to mean is it's going to be fleshed out and living for somebody else. And I don't know about you, but isn't that your life? I, I, I'm telling you if, you, if you stop and think about it, maybe even the rest of this afternoon or this evening, all day long, you're going to have an opportunity to make a decision. And you're either going to choose what's right for God and what's right for others, or you're going to choose what's right for yourself. And, and it's a tension, and it's a battle that every single one of us faces. And I have three thoughts within this. Number one is, um, I'm amazed at how difficult it is to actually say no to myself. Anybody else? Okay, okay, half of us. We've got lots of angels and, and some demons in here. Um, but I'm serious. It's, it's amazing to me how almost every single day, my own nature, which the Bible calls the sinful nature, the flesh inside me, is always luring me to live for myself. That's one, one thought I have. The second one is this, is I know that the world today, in general, does not get God. The world in general today has a really skewed vision 
of who God is and who he's revealed himself to be. And they're very skeptical. I mean, would you guys relate to that? Is the world you live in skeptical about God and about Christ? That's the world that we live in. And here's my third thought. It's amazing to me that God is saying to us that I'm going to reveal to the skeptical world who I am through you and me. See, what we are, the Bible, later in this passage, even later in the book of 2 Corinthians, we're going to find out Paul says we're his ambassadors, that we are the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the physical representation of who Christ is to the rest of the world. So basically what it's saying is we represent him. We represent him. You know, and, and so we, we need to think about that. So when somebody looks at us, they, 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 they immediately will have a connection. If we say, I'm a Christ follower, if we say we're a Christian or whatever, then automatically that links us to representing God. Now, here, here's what's interesting, because we all represent different things, and, and we've experienced that. I remember uh, in high school, um, I was out at a party. Um, you guys remember high school parties? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, they were, they were awesome, man. Back in Michigan with all of our dirt roads and people used to live out in the boonies. And we were at one specific party and uh, I was there with my girlfriend and her really good friend. And she got, her really good friend got really wasted. And so we, yeah, oh, it was one of those parties. Sorry. I don't know what kind of high school parties you went to, but, uh, um, but anyway, so, so we knew we had to take her home. And so we're driving in the middle of nowhere back in these woods and where I grew up on a dirt road, and all of a sudden she has to go to the bathroom really bad, so we pull off, and we pull up and let her go to the bathroom, and we're in there in the car talking, and finally, it seemed like it took a long time, and so we got out of the car, and we started yelling for her, and we couldn't find her, and we kept looking, and we couldn't find her, and it, I mean, I I started getting really scared, because this is in the middle of nowhere, and this girl has no idea what she's doing. (laughs) So we pull our car back and I actually shine the lights into the, into the woods, you know, so that we can see and we're yelling her name and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden the car comes down the, the dirt road and, you know, I'm, I'm looking for help in any way I can and it's a cop. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm, freak, I'm freaking, but I'm like almost glad because, man, I'm scared now. And he gets out and he goes, what's going on? Because our car's facing in the woods, you know, with lights fly shining into it. And I said, man, um... We had a really good friend who was with us. She got out to go to the bathroom, and uh, we can't find her. And he goes, well, what's her name? And I tell her his name, and she, he goes, uh, she's in our backseat. <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, okay, great. And he goes, uh, so you guys at a party or something? Oh, you know, he, he knows everybody. So, hey, why don't you hand me your driver's license, you know? So I hand him my driver's license. He looks at it, and he goes, huh, you Kenny Nelson's boy? Dang. Yeah, no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> No, never heard of the guy. Uh, see, it, it was amazing. My name, Nelson, on the back of it, small town, obviously. Um, and immediately, I represent my dad. I bear his name. I represent the family. And this guy made an immediate connection to me and my dad. And people make an immediate connection to us, to God. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's who, that's who you represent? That's your name. How are you guys doing in that? <laughs> How's your representation, you know? Um, ben Roethlisberger, any football fans? You know? I tell you, the Steelers, uh, Jeff Hardings, who used to play center for them, he was, uh, he was here, part of K2 for a couple years. And I remember talking to Jeff, and we would, you know, talk about, even when they drafted, which the NFL draft just took place, and Jeff would say one of the things about the Steelers is they always draft for character. It really matters to them. And if you don't know anything about Ben, he's been accused of some real sexual misconduct, uh, been, you know, uh, struggling with some penalties now from the NFL. 
And, uh, but now what do they want to do? They want to trade him. You know why? Because I, I, I don't know for sure why, but I can tell you this. My gut is that Mr. Rooney is sitting there saying, I don't want you representing our team. See, who you are and when you get connected to something is you represent people. And what the Bible's telling us, you guys, is that we do this for God. So let's look at this verse again. Verse 14 and 15, it says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are God, to God, the aroma of Christ, among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. You guys ever think about a fragrance? Think about a smell. Isn't smell an amazing thing? Is anybody in here really affected by smell? I mean, it's amazing to me how affected I can be. Uh, even attraction for me is really based by smell. I, I was dating a girl in college one time, and, and, and she was really cute, really fun, actually a really good friend of mine. And we started going out, and one day she wore this perfume. I never asked her out again. How shallow am I? You guys can pray for Susie. <laughs> but I mean, it, was, it wasn't the whole reason, but I mean, it was like, oh, I just... You know, stay away. But well, here's the interesting thing about a smell or a fragrance. It's there, isn't it? Can you see it? Can't see it. But it is so present. It makes you know that something is there. That's what a fragrance does. I walked into my kid's bedroom last week, and I mean seriously, like right there at the door frame was, oh my God. I'm like, my kids are five, seven, and nine. I'm like, what is that smell? And Susie's like, I know. She goes, I don't know. She goes, I've cleaned out everything. I've taken all this kind of stuff out. The best thing we can come up is with their feet just stink. <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, but Susie said she took everything out. And I told her, I said, all I can tell you is there's something in this room, right? Because when you smell that, you know, we got to find that, get it out of here. See, it makes you know that something is there. We were walking in, in these streets uh, just a couple weeks ago, and all of a sudden, man, we could smell something, a major, beautiful aroma coming out of some restaurant. And immediately we're going, man, I don't know what that is, but I want it. You ever smell that? You're like, where is that coming from? See, a smell is something that's there, but it's invisible, but it makes you realize there's something there. And what God is saying is, you're a smell. You're a fragrance. And even though people can't see me, when they smell you, they go, there's something there. There's something real. There's, in fact, you guys, the word spread where he goes, when he, this is so interesting to me. When he says, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance, that word spread, the actual verb, means to make visible and invisible reality. Do you know what you and I are doing? We're making visible through our lives an invisible reality. We're a fragrance. We're letting people know that there's something there. And then people want to say, well, what's the source? And what happens, you guys, is like my kid's bedroom, man, you just want to leave. <laughs> some people smell and they go, ugh. And then some people are really drawn to Christ when they smell this fragrance of our life. It's like a restaurant it's wooing out its aroma into the streets and it draws you in. So here's the question. Are we the aroma of Christ? Are you the fragrance of the knowledge of God? That's what we're looking at here today. 
Acts 4.13, right after the church started, and people really, the Jewish nation was really struggling with this new upstart thing, and it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized, this is Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. (laughs) I love that. They were looking at these guys' life and going, astonishing. Look at the life they're living. And then what did they do? They said, what's the source? Ah, these guys have been with Jesus. Now I can see why they're living this way. There's a smell and a fragrance. So you guys, so what is the aroma of Christ? Because what the Bible tells us is you are the aroma of Christ. You are the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Well, what is that aroma? And the key is right here. So throw up verse 14 again. Here's the key. It says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession. Let me just help you understand. Everybody in that culture knew exactly what that meant. Picture this. Roman Empire, right? Vast, powerful, almighty empire. And every time when the Roman Empire would take over some when they would be in a war and they would be victorious. What they would do is they would capture all the people and then the victorious conqueror, the king, would ride forth into the city and behind him would be a procession of everybody that he had taken over, of everybody that he had defeated and that now what? Belonged to him. And then everybody could look and say, man, look at the king! He's victorious. He's the winner. And here's his prize. And so basically, and what you understand is, if you were one of those people in the train and in the procession, in the parade, then what was true of you? Your life didn't belong to you anymore, did it? You've been captured. You now have a completely different Lord. And you are now going to live in accord with this one who now has taken your life because you belong to him. And what Paul is saying is, thanks be to God because he has been victorious over us. Thanks be to God that he's been victorious over us. And so what does this mean, you guys? Victory over what? Well, victory over sin. I mean, the Bible tells us all the time, you guys, that there is a nature inside of us. And again, what is this nature? You know what it is? It's the nature that's bent towards yourself. It's bent away from God, and it's bent towards you. It's bent away from other people, and it's bent towards you. And every day we struggle with this decision, am I going to live for God and live for other people? Am I going to live for myself? Am I going to sacrifice my life for my wife or for my husband? Or am I going to be selfish and do what I want to do? Am I going to give up all my self-interest today and pour into my kids? Or am I going to do what I want to do today? When you go to work tomorrow, you're going to struggle with this. See, and what, what the Bible teaches us is thanks be to God because he's victorious over sin. So, so really, you guys, what this means is he's vic- the victory here is the victory over the self-centered, self living life because that's never in the nature of God and now what Paul is saying is thanks be to God I don't live for me anymore thanks be to God I don't live for me anymore and you know what that was for Paul 
Freedom. Freedom. You guys, can you imagine waking up in the morning and the first thought of your day and every thought throughout your day was for the people around you and not for yourself? Think about what that would be like. Would that not be the most freeing thing in all the world? Where do all of our burdens come? Where, do all, where does all of our anxiety come from? Where does all of our anger come from? If you go to the root of it, it'll always be because somehow we're worried about ourselves, we're thinking about ourselves, we're not getting our own way, we are so consumed with us. And Paul says that is sin at its core and it destroys life, it destroys yours. So thanks be to God. He leads us in triumphant procession. He now has conquered sin in our life. And yes, now we live for him. In fact, later on, we're going to learn this in a few weeks. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who raised, who, who, who died for them and was raised again. You guys, we're going, to pay, we're going to flesh this out, but I want to tell you this right now. A victorious life is a surrendered life. A victorious life is a surrendered life. The greatest thing Paul could say was, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. The greatest thing he could say was, I don't belong to myself anymore. I belong to God. The greatest thing he could say is, I am free from me. I live completely now for this new Lord of my life. And you know what that is, you guys? He goes, so he leads us. So my question, before I get to the, he leads us. So my question, first of all, does he lead you? Does he lead your life? Is he the Lord of your life? Are you in the triumphant procession? Have you ever experienced victory in your own life over your selfish nature, which at its core is sin, and have you been set free? He says, I lead you in triumphant procession in Christ. So, here's what he says as well. He goes, and he spreads through us everywhere, what? The fragrance of the knowledge of him. The fragrance of the knowledge of him. So, see, I think there's a lot of people who, have, who say Christian, label Christian. But what God is most concerned about is do you actually know him? See, what he wants to spread as a fragrance to the rest of the world is the knowledge of him. Do you really know him? Well, what does it mean to know him? Man, we did a whole series out of Second Peter last year talking about what it means to know God. Here's what it means, you guys. It means you get God into every part of your life. And the more you let him into different areas of your life, the more you start to experience him. And once you experience him, then you know him. And to really know him means you start to engage in his life. You start to do the things that God does. You start to join him in his ways and in his purposes. And it's no different than any other human being. I can read novels and books about people and know everything about them. But I don't know them and have a personal relationship with them until they get into my life and I get into their life and we start to experience him. 
So I, I just want to say that because I want to challenge some of you who are followers of Christ here today who have the Christian label. Um, do you know the difference between knowing things about God and actually really knowing Him? Because I'm telling you, once He gets into your life and you let Him in, He gets into your marriage and He gets into your private life and into your thoughts... Once he gets into your sin and he starts to forgive it and cleanse it, things change. See, what God is not saying, he goes, I'm not spreading the fragrance of people who know things about me. There's a lot of people who know things about me and they don't smell like me at all. What I'm spreading is the knowledge that people have of intimate relationship with me. And that's what he's interested in. And you guys, here's the key. Because he says, I, he leads us in triumphant procession in Christ. And here's what it is, you guys, is this is the life of Christ. This is who he is. This is how he lived. Um, let me read for you Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. It says this. Your attitude and my attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. See, here Jesus was in the very nature of God. But what did he do? No, I'm going to become a servant. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be someone who's in the procession. And then he says, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, here's the other thing that's really interesting. In that Roman procession, lots of times what those people knew is that victor's conqueror, you know what he was going to do? You know where he was leading them? Anybody know? Sometimes? I'm sorry? Yeah, to their death. I mean, their life was gone. It was over. And so it's really interesting that Jesus says, "I, I humbled myself and became obedient to God even unto death. Jesus Christ, you guys, is the ultimate sacrifice. This is how he lived his life. One of my favorite verses right now is John 14, 31. And it simply says this. Jesus says, The world must learn that I love the Father and I always do what he commands me. The world must learn I love the Father and I always do what he commands me. See, that's Christ. You know what Christ was? He was, he was, he was one who was in procession, who was following his Father whose life was not his own, he surrendered it to his father and he said, I will do whatever you ask me to do. That's the aroma of Christ. So in the last verse, you can throw this one up, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, what God wants you to know is, listen, you're my, you are to be the aroma of Christ. An invisible reality that helps people know that there's a source from that smell. Jesus was that fragrant offering. And what was he? He sacrificed his life. His life wasn't his anymore. 
He completely gave it up. A victorious life, you guys, is a surrendered life. If you're a follower of Christ today, if you believe in Jesus today, have you ever fully surrendered your life to Christ? Completely. You know what's interesting? Just total side note here, because people who are reading this would have known this. In the Old Testament, when they would offer sacrifices to God, and it said, and the fire would burn up the sacrifice, what would happen? An aroma would rise up, and they would say, a sacrifice rightly given to God was always an aroma pleasing to God. See, it was just a picture so that you and I would now understand when we surrender our life, when we sacrifice our life, when God has been the conqueror over our own sin and has turned our heart outward so that we live for him and live for others, that is a beautiful life. And that is the aroma of Christ that he wants to spread everywhere. So here's the question, you guys. For we are to God the aroma of Christ. I just got to ask you again, if you're visiting today, if you're, if you're, if you're not a Christ follower, I think what we're, today, just so you know, you just kind of get a, I'm gonna, I think this is a good day for you to be here because you can understand what we as Christians are supposed to be all about, okay? If you call yourself a Christian, you got to answer this question honestly. Are you to God the aroma of Christ? So, Ask yourself this question. Are you a life that's captured by God? Do you belong to Him? Has He captured your affection? Has He captured your devotion? Has He captured your mind and your heart? Has He captured your time and your resources? Does your whole life, has it ever belonged to God? Because that was Christ. And that's the aroma. Are you to God the aroma of Christ? Are you a life surrendered to his leadership, a life not lived for yourself, but for him who died for you? Are you a life of love to God and to others? And we need to answer that question. And here's why. First of all, because just out of our love for God, I'm going to say I'm going to live that type of life. I'm going to let you have all of me. And, And by the way, can I just tell you guys, if you've never experienced that, you have never yet tasted the full life that God has for you. Because the victorious life is the surrendered life. The free life is the surrendered life. The powerful life. The powerful life in the spiritual world is the surrendered life to God. And that, I want to tell you, is what the world needs to see. Because the smell that you and I give off, he says, doesn't just go up to God, it also goes out horizontally to the rest of the world. Let's look at the verse again. Four, uh, 15 and 16 says this. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one were the smell of death and to the other were the fragrance of life. And who's equal to such a task? So what God is saying is, You're the aroma of Christ to me, but you are it among who? Everybody. (laughs) Everywhere. He spreads everywhere the fragrance of God. So you guys, 
we all smell. That's the whole point. Did you know that? Anybody? Yeah. We, we all smell. All of us do. And to some we smell good, and to others we smell bad. That's just what, that's just, that's what the Bible tells us right here. How many of you guys um, just ooh, detest cigar smoke? Anybody in here? How many of you? Okay, about half of you. How many of you love cigar smoke? Okay, about half. Isn't that wild? Same smell, right? And to some, it's like, ugh. And to others, it's like, oh. For me, dude, it rocks. I, I love it with all my heart. And here's why I think is when I grew up as a kid, my grandpa, my, my, he, he died when I was pretty young, probably like middle elementary. My one memory of my grandpa is he would, I'd go into their little living room and he would always be seated at the far right end of the couch with his little radio listening to the Tigers game, cussing like a drunken sailor at the Tigers every week, smoking his cigar. That room and that smell of the cigar just takes me back. I love that smell. And some of you absolutely hate it. And here's the reality. What the Bible's telling us is, and when you get off the aroma of Christ, some people like it and some people don't. You know what's really wild? My little nine-year-old daughter's already learning this. You know, um, she was in a big dance uh, this weekend and she had rehearsals all week. One was like from three to nine, so we went and grabbed her for a break for dinner. Took her over to Olive Garden, one of her favorite places. We sat down for dinner and Mariah looks at me and she just says, "Um, Daddy, because Susie said, hey, you want to talk to Daddy about that? And she goes, yeah. She says, Daddy, um, she goes, I realized something. Um, I'm really different than the other kids at school. She goes, they all say really, really mean things. She goes, in fact, they use words that are really bad. She goes, I don't even know what they mean. She goes, and I don't want to know. Um, she goes, but then, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do because then, she goes, I don't know how to defend myself because then when they when they say mean things to somebody, then the other person says mean things back. And she goes, and I don't want to say mean things back. She goes, so I don't know how to defend myself. What do I do? And I just said, well, Mariah, that's amazing. I said, well, first of all, has it happened to you yet? Have they been saying mean things to you? And she goes, no, not yet. And I said, well, that's cool. I think that's because, you know, you're pretty sweet and that's good. But here's, it's going to (laughs) happen. And so, just so you know, Jesus was really strong. So he defended himself very well, but he was always kind. And he was always gentle in his response. And so what you have a chance to do, Mariah, is when they say mean things to you, the way you defend your is you don't. You just say things back that are nice and kind. And you know what's going to happen? Is everybody else in your class is going to look at that and say, wait a second. What's different about her? How come she doesn't respond like every other kid does in here? And they're going to know, Mariah, that if they run into you, you're going to be kind to them and you're going to be nice. And she says, yeah. She goes, Maya told me today at the lunch table, she goes, man, Mariah, if you did something wrong, nobody would believe you. She goes, they'd all probably think it was me because <laughs> you're so sweet. See, I, it's amazing. Me, at nine years old, Mariah is the aroma of Christ. It's why we're in the public school, to be honest with you. We want, who's going to be the aroma of Christ, you know? And we just said, man, we need, right, is that. And it's, it's going to be a hard journey for her probably at some time. And some people are going to like it, and some people aren't going to like it. Have you guys ever experienced that? I mean, this is our reality, you guys. So to, to those who are being saved, to those that God is drawing to himself, he says, we're the fragrance of life. We're fresh-baked bread. We're the spring rain. We're freshly ground coffee. We're a loved one's perfume, and we're bacon in the morning. 
Anybody got better fragrances than that? Those are the best I could come up with. Um, we're Romans ten fifteen, where it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, for some people in the world right now, they're looking, their life's falling apart. This self-centered living is ripping apart their marriage. It's robbing them of their joy. They have no peace. They're filled with anxiety. They look around the world. The rest of the world's just like that. Just like Mariah, she goes, I look at all my class and everybody in there is mean and they're all saying negative things and everybody else is looking at that. And then you and I are supposed to walk into the world with a selfless life, a life that says, I don't live for me ever. I always live for God and I always live for you. And people go, and they go, wow, that's something different. And they'll be attracted to the source of the smell because all you are giving off is the reality, an invisible reality of something that's really tangibly there, and that's God. And so you guys, um, they see the freedom, they experience the love, they see the greater purpose, and they're drawn to the source. Our lives represent Christ. That's what represent means. People get to see Him in us, and it draws them to Him. But then, to those who are perishing... We're actually the smell of death. Same smell, just like a cigar. Some people are going, oh, get away. And some people are going, oh, it's awesome. When you live a life like that, for some people, it's repulsive. We're a men's locker room. We're pig manure on a hot summer day. We're warm fermented milk. The smell of sulfur on a windy day from Salt Lake. And sauerkraut. That was the the other one. I just, we, you guys, we're, we're stuff that people don't like and aren't drawn to so our lives, representing Christ, reveal God, and it repels them away. It was really wild about now, four or five months ago or so, I was up in the avenues uh, meeting a guy for coffee. And we'd, we'd been in there for probably about an hour, and we were having a great conversation. Right near the end of our conversation, a guy walked in, and I, you know, I can't remember where we were, but somehow the, the name Jesus uh, or Christ got mentioned in our conversation. And he walked by us right here. And literally, he came in the door, heard that one line, and he goes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he turned around uh, to start to walk away from us. And he said one more comment. His voice was away, and I couldn't quite understand him. And, you know, the guy was meeting with him. We were just like, wow. And uh, he walked up to the counter, and he stood, uh, like, you know, probably about maybe five or six rows away from how you guys are from me. And, uh, And I'm sitting there. And I look over that, and he was standing in line, and he was just glaring at me. I mean, I have never, I mean, well, you know, we've seen lots of mean eyes, all of us have, but these were the most angry, mean, like, spiteful eyes that he could possibly give at me. And I, I, I just, I glanced up, saw that, I just kind of went back to my conversation, glanced over, he, he hadn't moved. And he was piercing me with his eyes. And every time I'd, you know, look back and I'd just get him out of the corner of my eye, he, he, he didn't, he, he stayed like that. We had to, we, we, again, we'd already been there for an hour. The guy got finished with our conversation. <clears throat> he, he needed to go. So we get up, we put our coats on, and I'm walking out of the place, and the guy followed me with his eyes the whole way out of the room. And all he heard, he didn't hear any of the conversation, but he heard the name Jesus. And to some, with the smell of death. It's just a reality. Now, I, you know, it was really interesting. It's totally I know here. I remember I first, my first thought is, dude, I'm not going back to that coffee shop. <laughs> you know? And then I was sitting there with God actually reading 2 Corinthians. We're going to get to this later in a few weeks. And um, where Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. 
The love of Christ compels me, Paul said, to share this with everybody. And you know what's so wild about the love of Christ? Who does Christ love? Tiny man, it hit me. He loves that guy so much. My guess is that guy probably got a really bad representation of Jesus. So I went to the coffee shop the next week, you know. He wasn't there, but um, somebody needs to represent Christ. But at the same time, sometimes you really do live for Christ. People don't like it, man. 1 Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Anybody who wants to live a godly life and really follow God, you're going to be persecuted. And Jesus said, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. You guys, we're the aroma of Christ and we bear the name of the family. And just, just real quick on that one as well. I, I think the reason some people don't like it, you guys, is because a surrendered life is not very appealing to the human nature. I, I think a lot of people go, dude, that's like, I'm not, uh, I want to be in control. <laughs> I don't want to surrender my life. I want to do my thing. I don't want to do God's thing. I mean, I I know a lot of people who just can't surrender their life to God because they they don't want to. That doesn't appeal to them. It doesn't smell good. A life that's not your own, a life of righteousness, see, that infringes, a lot of people say, that infringes on my freedom. (laughs) You know, if I give my life to God and follow him, that means I can't do all these other things again, and that's not appealing. And I, I think, too, what it happens is God will ask us to live in ways that are completely opposite of the ways of the world. No question, he's going to ask us to do that. And some people are toe caught up in the ways of the world that when we try to say that there's a different way that's of God, they're just not going to like it. And you just need to know, Jesus said, hey, if you follow me, it's going to happen. Happen to me, it's going to happen to you. So, um, let me close with this thought. We're the aroma of Christ, and we bear the name of his family. Let me just read the next, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on the hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, I, I, I know one thing, man. As a father of three young children, they read my life. They read my life. Anybody that you hang out with actually reads your life. Your life is being read by everybody. So the question is, do we know that we're a letter from Christ? So when people read us, does it look like a letter that was written, not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God? Can people tell that there's the Spirit of God? And what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. See, do, do... Is that the letter that they're reading? In other words, it's so crazy, you guys. You know what we we are? We're a letter of recommendation for God. You ever write a letter of recommendation for somebody? You know, you write this letter, you you give it to the the guy, you get one. You know, I've gotten received letters of recommendation from people. When somebody reads yours, does it make them go, wow, I want that God. Do they want the life you're living? 
because they see the freedom and the love and the selflessness of Christ. And so here's what you got to do, you guys. Um, you got to check your pits. <laughs> How are you smelling? You guys, I mean, you know, you, you see that commercial out that's out right now? It's a women's deodorant, I think, and they're all, you know, they're like, they're on the, the subway and they're like, checking themselves out. I mean, you've got to check yourself and you've got to figure out how are you smelling. Because here's the deal. If you're the aroma of Christ, if you're actually following him, living a selfless life and living righteously and people reject you, then so be it. Then, then as, as Mike Rutledge was saying, one of our good friends at Counselor, he says, you've got to put on the Teflon and you just got to let it come on and come off. Too many of us, he said, live like Velcro. Like whenever anybody's angry, it just sticks to you. You know, people get angry at you and it's like, you know, they, they, you just, you got to know, man, if you're living the life of Christ, just let it go. But if you check how you smell and you're not the aroma of Christ and people are rejecting you, if you're saying I'm a Christian and yet you're really selfish, if you're saying you're a Christian and yet you're involved in moral behavior that's outside of God's way. If you're saying, well, I'm a Christian, and you're angry, and you're bitter, and you're holding things against people. If you're saying you're a Christian, see, then we're giving off an aroma that's not the aroma of Christ. And you need to check that out. And I would just, I just want to tell you today, I, I'll be honest with you, um, this message totally convicted me this week. And um, just yesterday, I, I realized, man, there, there was something in my life it just so was not, Christ was not the center at all of my life in this area. And it was robbing me of really loving my wife and my children. It was robbing me of my time. And I just, yesterday, I had made a radical decision just to cut something out of my life. Is there anything in your life that you need to confess to God today that doesn't smell like Jesus? Because everybody's reading your letter. And we're his revelation. And people are going to be drawn to God or going to be drawn away from him by the way you live. If you don't live for others, but you live for yourself. If you don't love others, but you're more concerned about you. And if you don't live a life of service, but you live for yourself, those are some things you need to confess to God. And Ben, why don't you guys come on up? And then... The last thing is, is you need to seek the power of the Spirit. You guys, the verse says, you show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. You're written not with ink, but you're written with the Spirit of the living God. I know this right now. I'm going to battle selfishness every day of my life, but I'm going to battle it. You're going to battle it too. My question is to you, are you going to battle it? How do you fight it? The first step is always confessing it immediately when it's revealed to you that you're not living like Christ. Confess it. He says, I'm faithful and just. I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you. And then the second thing you guys got to do and I have to do is we have to ask the spirit of the living God to strengthen us in our inner being so that Christ will dwell in our hearts. Because if Christ is dwelling in us, living in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, literally the Spirit of God inside you, then you have a chance, and I have a chance today to not live for me, but to live for others. 
The power is not within you, but there is a power. Jesus rose from the dead to give us spiritual power to live a life that's like Christ so that the world can find out who he is. And so as we worship him now, this is you guys, this is your chance. And worship, I know again for me, was always a chance to say, it's not about me, it's about you, God. And here's your chance in these next minutes to say, you know what, my life, maybe you need to confess to God, my life has been about me lately. That is not a good revelation of Jesus. And if it is, as we sing these songs about having Jesus as the center of your life, maybe you need to confess and realize what has been at the center and then get all the rest of the stuff out of the way. Can we do that together? Let's worship him right now. Let's put our hearts in a place of surrender. Victorious living is in the life completely surrendered to God. And if you need to surrender to him today, I just, I, I just beg you, for the sake of your own life and for the sake of everybody else around you who needs to smell Jesus, let's surrender. Let's get back in the train, the procession of following the Lord of our life.